Hi everyone, this is Jamak. I am the creator of Data Mesh, uh, the founder of Next Data. We are reimagining what data sharing could look like if data was a product, if independent teams and individuals could share their data as a product, and if we lived in a world where AI, ML, analytics could be powered by independently owned and responsibly shared data. So that's our vision. If that's appealing to you, if that interests you, we are growing our team rapidly and we need you. If you're a distributed systems engineer, product manager, or a designer of a large-scale PaaS SaaS infrastructure, we'd love to hear from you. Please check out our careers page at nextdata.com. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. This episode is part of a longer interview I conducted with Jamak Dagani, who's the founder of the Data Mesh concept and is sponsored by her, her company, her startup Next Data. The goal of these conversations is to dig deeper into specific topics rather than skimming the surface and really discuss Shmack's view of the now and the future of Data Mesh. What is possible now? What can we do to set ourselves up for success in the, in the future? And what is our ideal picture in that future once we have the ways of working and the tooling more figured out? Hopefully, you get some great insights as well as seeing the other side of the funny and wonderful person behind the Data Mesh paradigm. Please do follow Jamak as well for more interesting insights to keep an eye out on what she is working on. I think you'll be very interested and excited. Now, up next, I'll give a bit of my summary of the episode. So you might focus on a few of the nuanced points that Jamak makes. Sometimes she says some things that are kind of like a picture, right? Worth a thousand words in and of themselves, even when she says one sentence. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and hear some fun music, and then we'll get into that summary. Episode 285, Getting Depth and Value from Generative AI in Data Mesh and in general, Jamax Corner number 33. So we jump into the last section of the most recent recording uh, where we started to talk a little bit more about generative AI. It's funny that's happened in the last two conversations that our last kind of section was about this. So far, Jamax and I haven't really seen anything really groundbreaking from actual application of generative AI. There are a lot of chatbots, but and they're getting better, but really nothing has really changed significantly about people's ability to de- do deep work. It's all quite shallow. There's lots of promising early things, but it's not anything that's really that transformative around our actual ability to deliver value versus cut down on a lot of toil, which is great, but it's not actually the thing that's as focused on delivering value or that it's proving that right now. Data Mesh in general needs to be supportive of generative AI, but that's the same with any ML work. You know, any machine learning work, engineers need to 
be able to access data products and everything that comes with them to do their work. They need, you know, reliable uh, ability to access their data. That's what Jamak has talked about since the beginning of the concept of data mesh. She actually focused far more on um, machine learning and AI in her early conversations than she did what most people think of as analytics. You know, we need to focus on giving data developers, whether that is analytics, ML, generative AI, whatever, an easy path to reliably do their work. But right now, far too much time is spent on toil work, just shipping data around for those data developers that are either developing data products or are trying to consume from data products. So much of the work is is not value-add toil. One last challenge that Jamak talked about is how the metadata around your data products is, is pretty sparse which limits our ability to fully leverage generative AI. We need far more data about our data products to really get into that depth, right? Instead of, again, these kind of shallow chatbot type use cases. I'll admit this one, I'm still not 100% understanding exactly what she's saying. So there's some deeper meaning here that I'll ponder and, and hopefully come back on in the future because I think she's on to something, but a lot of this is still... Um, kind of new to me. So I, I really will have to think about it deeper before I can deliver back what uh, my thinking is around it. Okay, with that shortest summary of the episode done, let's go ahead and get to actually hearing from the woman herself, Shmak Degani. I did want to jump into that comment about generative AI. I mean, you know, it's a topic du jour and everything like that. So where do you, we talked a little bit about where you you could see gen AI starting to play, but like, how do you think about leveraging generative AI, but keeping it simplistic, but also keeping it from hurting themselves? That seems to be the the big rush right now is to just implement and you know, that can be all sorts of regulatory issues. That can be all sorts of, um, you know, user issues. It can, it obviously has, if you don't have great um, data quality, you're going to have bad answers and all that. So how are you, how are you viewing how generative AI can really start to play well in, in data mesh? Is it more faced at the producers or the consumers or both? Or Yeah, I mean, we see it, again, on next data, we see it, which is consistent with my um kind of view regardless of the technology, you can really categorize, I guess, application of Gen AI into two categories. One is Gen AI in the service of data mesh technologies and data mesh, you know, kind of um, um, ecosystem players, users, consumers, or data mesh and data mesh technologies at the service of Gen AI. I think the latter is the one that we have no choice but have it implemented, uh, which is if I'm gener- and it's not unique to Gen AI, by the way, it's any ML model, right? Any modern kind of ML model uh, model training need to be 
need to be able to to train models on whether it's a data mesh or data lake or data warehouse, like doesn't matter. Data mesh is just another incarnation. It needs to be able, the data, ML engineers should be able to, or data scientists need to be able to train their models and track their models and track the data for their models and version the data for their models through data products, through a mesh of interconnected data products. So I think that's given. I think that's just everyone who claims to have a data mesh should have that supported because one of the fundamental characteristics of data mesh or data products in that DAV units, I see, uh, you know, the discoverable, addressable, um, valuable, and so on and so on. There's eight characteristics that I put in definition of data product, which I see replicated uh, everywhere in, in when the te- technology providers uh, claim to have a data product, they replicate those characteristics. Well, one of those characteristics was natively accessible. The DAV unit uh, N in it is natively accessible, which meant the same data product I did even want to get to the world where that level of interoperability put in place so that the same data product can be used to train a machine learning model, you know, by a data scientist, or it can be used for creating a dashboard by a data analyst. So that's natively accessible. Let me use as a user my native tools to um, to do my job using the data product. Don't force me to copy stuff across another system, another create a new interface for consumption of data and so on. And that that. I think we can have an amazing evolution of technologies there from simple data sharing to actually bring your model to data product to be trained locally on the data product. So that's the, the latter category, data products at the service of Gen AI. And I think the former category, Gen AI at the service of data mesh and all of the capabilities that the data products or data mesh systems need to implement. And I think there, I think this, you know, that you have the flavors of yet another flavor of a chatbot, right? People that are just have chatbots, call them Gen AI. It's just another incarnation of a chatbot to interact with the system. That's not super exciting in my mind. To you know, a more advanced case of a co-pilot where you're writing code of your data products with this co-pilot Gen AI. To more advanced cases of you know, maybe autopilot. Maybe you have Gen AI generating your data products. I don't know. I think. Uh, from that manual to co-pilot to autopilot, there's a lot of opportunities there. But I would say that um, the this naive approach that yeah, I'm going to add Gen AI, people don't realize that this the metadata about the data is actually quite sparse. So for you to have a machine learning model that is reliably right, it's not generating gibberish, but it's actually generating valuable, reliable data. You need to have a lot, a lot, a lot of data, and the metadata about the products are very sparse. So, so how close to reality we are? I think we're still have a way to go, uh, even though toy kind of like features get built in, like chatbots and stuff. But, uh, but it is a possibility. I think there's huge amounts of potential there. Uh, we just need a lot more data to to get to it and to unlock those data, we may have to just do those manual or co-piloted data products generated in the first place. Yeah, and in a couple of areas that I've heard people talking about it, obviously very, very early days, but one would be facing an LLM at the producers, and then those producers can say, hey, generate me seven sample data models from these six data sets and, and let me understand how they interact or how they'd interoperate with other data out there. And, you know, you obviously have to check that. Um, or uh, somebody was talking about that you can do um, an LLM and then you have another LLM that literally just checks against that and goes, is this sane? Is this normal? Or that it does some of the 
governance work as to be like, hey, is this sensitive information that can't necessarily be uh, conveyed? But also like having an LLM for each data product and that the the people who built the data product just spend 10 minutes each week answering questions about it that the, the, the Gen AI asks them. And then people can get more and more context as they start to dig in. And just like little things like that, that could be really valuable that help people understand kind of the evolution without having documentation that's eight bajillion pages long. But people just want it to be the autopilot. They just want it to be the easy button and just slam on that and and work. But there seems to be some interesting aspects to this, but I'm still... um, are you seeing anything out there? Are you still just seeing kind of the imagineering kind of, of space and people kind of getting a little bit ahead of themselves? Yeah, I don't think I've seen anything groundbreaking or, um, you know, highly differentiating. Everybody jumped in and added, you know, kind of a, again, chatbot interface to the to the search uh, or, consu- as you said, the consumer side of the, uh, of the data discovery. And I think... Um, I think that's that's the space probably that we can materially make a difference because ultimately, the I haven't I haven't seen anything differentiated. But again, my head has been down <laughs> building a product, so I'm not out kind of exploring it a lot beyond what what lands on my LinkedIn uh, probably occasionally. But I would say, really, the the discovery, the the experience of discovering data will definitely get. There is a huge potential to use Gen AI there, but that discovery, intelligent discovery, and asking really hard, complex questions from the data requires um, requires the data to be available in a reliable, kind of sane way in the first place, right? Um, so, to give you an example, where one of our any customers are for a, a pharmaceutical company, large, large pharmaceutical company, and the, the, they want to, you know, they love the understandability aspect, the you in the dev unit for the data product. But for them, understanding means such deep um, kind of uh, recognition and understanding of the data beyond just, oh, I searched for, does anybody have information about customer and finding a bunch of developers, the device around customer. They Understanding means how a data product was produced, what assumptions a clinical researcher generating a data product had built into the code and what was the code doing based on those assumptions. There's just such deep uh, level of, you know, kind of cognitive understanding of that data product and the experience that processing generating is needed for them to be able to discover and trust the news data. And I think that's where this multi-dimensional um, representation of the data and code and plugged into Gen AI and train foundational models on top of data products is, is such a fascinating space um, to implement because that can the same way that this Gen AI, you know, ChatGPT has fundamentally changed how we're doing search, right? That can fundamentally change how people search for data products. And I think. There is a lesson here because I was like, even as a user of a chat GPT, 
I shifted from search to ChatGPT for some aspects where I needed a deep understanding of the topic insight presented to me. And guess what? I did that a few times and very quickly I realized the shallowness of some of these answers. And am I using ChatGPT anymore? No, I disillusioned, got disillusioned and I'm back into search. So the richness of those insights are so key that any shallow response that is equivalent of 30 second more search by the user is going to turn off the users and they're just going to go back to do search, right? Instead of asking for the summary of that insight. But I think that's, if I, if, if I were building a new company, that's where I would, would focus on, right? That's the most natural place to get started with generative AI. That makes a, a ton of sense. Well, um, Jamak, I, I want to be very cognizant of your time. So uh, I, I want to thank you yet again for another amazing recording. Any any message you want to put out there for any of the people that might be listening? Oh, well, thank you for hosting me again, Scott. I'm, I'm so grateful. I know it's end of your day and how hard these sessions are to align. Uh, the message would be, look, we're hiring. Like Nick's data is going somewhere no one's gone before. So <laughs> and we need kind of this, you know, courageous and uh, cl uh, clever and experienced folks across engineering and product to reach uh, reach us and come and work with us. So if any of the stuff I talked about excites you, come on, come and join the journey. And there, uh, com at careers, uh, you can go and find our open, open roles. And uh, we listed all the resumes coming through and we uh, get back to you very, try to get back to you very quickly. Uh, excited to hear from you. So thanks again to Jamak. As a reminder, please check out her startup, Next Data. There's more information about it in the show notes. They're doing some pretty amazing things. She's hiring lots of folks looking to partner with others and just kind of check it out. As for me, please do follow up with me as well. I'm pretty easy to find. I'd love to chat Data Mesh or anything kind of in the data realm. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information, some useful resources and things as well. And Jamak and I both wish you an excellent rest of your day. Now with that, let's cue that inspiring outro music. <laughs>